up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. Today, we're in our second episode of this flipping from a distance or investing from a distance. So we got a lot of people that are looking to invest from uh, somewhere that they don't live because they might live in a really expensive area. I've got the next episode of that where I've got Beth Turner and we're talking about how to like manage the renovation from afar. So how do you flip a house from a distance? How do you find contractors? How do you pay the contractors? All these things. We had some amazing conversations. I asked her a ton of questions. I said, basically, I'm new and I want to flip from a distance. What would you recommend? What did you do right? What did you do wrong? What should I do? So stay tuned and we'll give you all the answers here. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity, and that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. Hey everybody, I've got a great show for you guys today. This is the second episode in a multi-episode series that we're talking about. I know a lot of you are flipping or wholesaling long distance. You might be in an expensive market or in an area that you might not want to invest for whatever reason that may be. And I was in your shoes, uh, just like I talked about on the last podcast. There was a time where I moved away from my main market and I had to flip, wholesale, do things from a distance. And we talked about buying on the last episode. So if you missed it, make sure to go back to the last episode and learn about buying, running your numbers from afar in a market that you don't live in. And today we're going to talk about renovations from a distance. So how do you find uh, contractors? How do you manage a renovation project when you don't live there and you can't just drive down the road and check on it? So I have a good friend of mine and another seven-figure altitude member here to talk to you guys today, Beth Turner. What's up, Beth? Hey, how are you, Bill? I'm doing good. I'm actually really pumped to talk about this because I've had a lot of struggles in my world through this. I've had a lot of successes. And I think there's something that's actually really good about not being able to drive to your project right down the street. Yes. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to hear from you about kind of what got you there, what success that you've had and stuff like that. So why don't you give, before we kick it off, why don't you give everybody a little background about you, maybe what market you're in and what market you flip in and some of your numbers and stats. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I live in Wisconsin, but I flipped down to Kansas City, Missouri. And kind of how it started is exactly what you're alluding to, is I was here in Wisconsin trying to find properties. It was an expensive area where I was at, and I just couldn't really make the numbers work. And so I also have a full-time job. I work in the healthcare field, and I was flying in and out of Kansas City. And I decided, to, hey, let's go on to realtor.com and see how many houses I can find for under $50,000. Um, I had ran that previously up where I live, and I found one, and it looked like it needed to be bulldozed. Uh, when I went down to Kansas City, I got 19 pages. I was like, okay, this is an interesting market. And so I went down there for one weekend with a realtor that I just pinged down realtor.com and said, I want to find some properties. And we walked them, and I bought one within the first two weeks. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, let's back up. So you, you hadn't done any real estate at the time. Yep. And what got you interested in it, involved in real estate? Like, what was that thing that you were like, you know what? Uh, I know I have a full-time job, but yeah. I'm just going to jump into real estate and start buying somewhere that I don't live. It was really the freedom is the, the piece I was looking at. So that freedom of being able to kind of set your own schedules. Um, I traveled and I lived out of a suitcase for eight years for my job. Um, so I was traveling every week. I was gone every week and I really enjoyed it, but I didn't really get time to set down roots anywhere. And so kind of going through saying, hey, what's going to get me to, I'm usually one of those people that are like, I think I can do that better. I'm just going to give it a shot. 
And so instead of doing that in my actual job, I was like, hey, I read about this all the time in real estate. I'd always been interested in it. Um, but again, had the analysis paralysis for like five years and listened to the podcasts and never really jumped in. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a shot. And I had joined a virtual-ish mastermind um, with one of my fellow seven-figure uh, Altitude members. And really was like, all right, we're going to go do this. And so I walked it, got it, and went down that route. And originally we went the rental route. Uh, because I'd only heard, you know, the passive income for rentals. And I'm also a project manager in my current job. And it was interesting because I realized even if I wanted to do rentals to do kind of those value adds and buying a, buying a rental, fixing it up and even renting it, I still had to rehab it. And so that turned into project management and I loved it. So I bought the first house um, sight unseen. And then I just rolled into my very next one of a fourplex. Wow. Okay. So let me ask you, let's just jump ahead a little bit. Do you still have a full-time job now? Yes. Okay, so everybody knows Beth is actively doing this. She's in Seven Figure Altitude, which is the higher level group that we have. And she still has a full-time job like a few other people in there and yeah. is also flipping on the side. So you bought that first house, you renovated it. You What, what did you do with it after that? Uh, so I turned it into a rental. So I bought it for $30,000. I put $15,000 into it and I get $1,100 a month of rent out of it. Uh, okay, wait, wait, wait. Your, your face did exactly what mine do. And I ran the numbers. I was like, this has got to be too good to be true. Like this, this can't actually happen. And so I, I engaged a local, I originally also did property management from afar as well. I didn't engage a property management company. I was like, I can roughly figure this out. Um, I was interesting because I think it's good to know the process before you engage a property management company, maybe not recommended from afar. Um, but so we did that with my realtor kind of being my point of contact uh, down there in boots on the ground. But yeah, so I did that. So that was my first one. I was like, hey, this is some good cash flow. And so I did my own mini mailing marketing campaign. I sent out um, a letter with a poker chip on it and said, let's give this and focused a very small group. And I bought a fourplex. Um, I bought it for $114,000. We put $50,000 into it. And it now rents for $3,750 a month. Wow, that's awesome too. And that, was, that was my first big rehab. Yeah, and so I want to talk about that in, in a second here. So so that you, you did that first one and then the, the quad. And then when did you start flipping these houses? Like when did, were you saying, okay, I'm actually going to sell some of these? Yeah. And so it was, it was during the fourplex. So I realized, so when we bought the fourplex, two of the units were occupied and the bottom two were down, were down to the studs. It was a full gut rehab. And I started realizing that, Hey, you know, I think, I think we can do this remotely. And so what I had done at that time is I had engaged with a private money lender and I said, Hey, you know, who would you recommend from a proper project manager standpoint? You know, I'm just looking for a one-time first to see how this goes. And so I vetted them and went through that process. And so he was my main point of contact down there with the contractors that we hired. And so after that, I was like, I think, you know, we can do the project management sounds that I love. And I love the idea of the intricacies. Again, it's, I think that's also what I like about real estate. Um, it's not monotonous. Every day is something different. And so when I was like, hey, if I can do a fourplex and I was originally like, numbers too good, I'm not gonna sell this. This is a great cash flow. I was like, I think if I can find a marketing campaign and I sent out 112 letters and I got the fourplex out of it, I was like, I think we can figure this out. And so I went and my next house was a bought it from a wholesaler that was recommended to us by our private money lender. And that was our first flip. And I did that as a 50-50. Um, they did, we, they gave me the money for it. I brought, I brought them the property 
And then we split the profits afterwards 50-50. And you manage the project also? Yep. Okay, so what are, what are the numbers? Give me rough numbers on that one if you remember. Uh, yeah, so we bought it for, I think, 50000 We wound up putting sixty into it and we sold it for one hundred and fifty, one hundred and seventy-seven, seven seven seven. They loved the sevens for whatever reason. <laughs> mm. Okay, so somewhere probably around after expenses. So that's 177 and you were in it for like 110 you're probably somewhere around 50 grand to split. Right. Two. Yep. That's, that's awesome. So yeah. really good numbers, 25,000 to you, 25,000 to the money lending partner. Yep. And by the way, I will do that deal any day of the week. If you want to give me 25,000 for 110 grand, um, I yep. will be a 50-50 JV with you tomorrow. So uh, <laughs> look me up if you ever need it. The, um, uh, that's how I started too, by the way, for those that are listening and maybe you don't know, is I, I joined Seven Figure Flipping and I met a money lender in there. Uh, mm-hmm. A guy who had a bunch of money, but didn't want to maybe do all the projects and things. And so I found a bunch of houses at auction in Pensacola at the time. I was buying a foreclosure auction a lot online. And we probably did seven, eight, nine deals together, something like that, yeah. where I would find them. I'd do all the work. He'd fund everything. I'd handle the little expenses like uh, lawn care, electric, the gas, yeah. the stuff that you kind of needed to be in person for. And uh, and he put 100% of the money in on the purchase price and the rehab. And then we split everything 50-50. Eventually, I got really good at raising money, and I kind of wanted cheaper money and grew out of that a little bit. But it was a great relationship and kind of got me springboarded. So, uh, by all means, I, look, I got the 500k challenge. I really, really think that you guys should be out there raising money at fixed interest. But it's it is a good way to start for sure, especially if you're if you're not sure or um, and a lot of times, like you said, that private money lender can actually help you in other areas. Uh, That's like how he, I got started. I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to be where I was without being it. And yes, like. Now it's kind of the same scenario too that you did with yours is they were really great. Um, they were a little bit more expensive when I started, obviously, and I've transitioned a little, I've transitioned away from them um, because of, I've been able to, the 500K challenge, a lot of different area, other areas, I've been able to raise a lot cheaper private money. Um, but with that, you know, that partnership that got me started to also build the confidence that I could do it remotely uh, to say, hey, you know, th- these people know, a, a lot of times people come up to me and be like, how do you know that house exists? Like, did you just buy a house? You don't even know it's there. I'm like, there's a lot of checks and balances we do. We don't just, you know, send it down and not have any uh, idea of what it looks like or anything like that. And but that's kind of the whole process of the renovations is what are your checks and balances while you're doing it? Because you're sending money down there, right? Like there's either um, checks being sent out in the mail. There's either being, you know, direct deposits. But when you're paying somebody, you know, they got that work done. And that's that whole communication purposes of Deciding what do you want communication-wise? Because everybody's different, right? There, you have micromanagers. You've got people that are like, ah, you know, I hired the project manager. He'll tell me once every two weeks and I'll cut the checks. Um, it really is determine what your communication style is because you want to set that expectation as, as well as that boundary. So when somebody comes up and we don't meet that expectation, everybody knows what it should have been versus, oh, I guess when you said reach out to me this week, I didn't know you wanted it every week. Um, so those types of things, that's been one of the couple of big things and lessons learned from this process is don't never be afraid to say, what are your expectations? Because they're going to put you in check, right? They're going to say, whoa, that's, that's a lot, or that's not enough. But either way, if you don't say that you're going to wind up on uh, somebody on side of that relationship is going to be disappointed, whether it's you, whether it's the other team members, um, making sure you set those expectations and boundaries is a big thing, especially remotely. Um, because communication is key, especially remotely. So let's. So we did this first episode that was 
we're figuring out how to buy the house, run the numbers from a distance, those kind of things. And now let's say we got the house. We, we bought the house and we want to renovate and resell it. What are some of the things that you would give me advice if I was newer and I was trying to flip? Maybe I live in San Diego as an example and I want to flip in somewhere cheaper. Yep. And what, what are some things that you would say that you did well that you would recommend that I do as well from a distance on uh, hiring somebody, maybe a contractor or, or subbing it out or finding a project manager? What would you do if you were me? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things as I did, my first couple of things that I did wrong was, is I bit off more than I could chew as in, I, I let a contractor tell me, so I originally hired, I originally went the, just the GC route of, hey, I'm just going to hire a GC to flip it for me. And that was good for the first one. And then they were like, hey, we can handle three. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go buy three. Uh, and realized very quickly that they couldn't handle three. Um, it came down to those types of pieces. So it was number one, you know, checking and really doing that validation of resources is that, hey, what can I also manage? Do I want to manage three different GCs or do I want one GC to manage three? But either way, the one thing that I did, I think, well, was setting that, hey, I want you to be successful. And for you to be successful, you have to communicate that you're over your head and it's okay. I think that's one of the things that we got a lot of feedback from the people we worked with is that kind of ownership all the way across the board and the open feedback is that if you think that we're pressuring you too much or, hey, you're trying to pull my guys from this job for this job, we need to have that, that conversation because kind of the same scenario I mentioned earlier is that if we don't set that expectation or have those open conversations, that contractor doesn't know your profit margins. He doesn't know exactly what you're going for. He's just going to be saying, hey, I met my contract obligations and he's going to move on with that piece. And so you want to make sure that, number one, what are your contractual obligations? But what are you expecting them to do? And what are they expecting back from you? So one of the things we did well was setting that expectation. Hey, I want you to communicate. Anytime you run into something that you feel, what if I was there, you would have told me. Like, don't set that expectation. Like, oh, we don't want to bother her. She's got a full-time job. You know, no, just reach out to me. It's okay. Because otherwise, if I don't know about it and I find out, you know, three weeks later that we more of a budget 10,000, nobody said anything that's not going to set anybody up for success. Well, what, how do I find a contractor? I'm maybe uh, the first step. I don't, I'm not there. You know, I can't meet him at the property or can I, like, are you flying down every time you buy a project? Would you recommend that I do that? If I'm uh, at a distance, what, what's, how do I do that? So how I did it is I joined all the Facebook groups down there. So the Kansas city real estate groups, I joined a couple of, there was a couple of high and high activity investor groups down there. And so I joined them and I started asking recommendations. Um, so even from starting of my project manager, I started that route of, hey, because I know that if I can get a contract, great, um, how do I want to manage that afar? So I also did one of them. So after I did my very first look with the projects and got those pieces, how do I manage that project afar? Do I want to be that project manager that is checking in every week, calling them every day? Do I want to have pictures taken for me every week? Um, so what I did when I initially started was, let me get some recommendations for people within our group. Um, and then go from there. And so based on that, then you started getting, I want pictures of your previous work. Um, I also want my example, I had a really great realtor. I said, hey, I want my realtor to walk one of your current sites um, and they can video chat me while they're doing it or they can just be on the phone or we can have a conversation afterwards and before. Um, so that's how I found the contractors, the first, the, the kind of this next set of contracts we've gone through and all those different iterations of that has been, getting recommendations and verifying. Um, somebody told me something just recently and it was quality before volume. If I can't get that quality and get them to show up, it doesn't matter, I can't grow big if I wanted to. Um, I can get six houses, but if I can't get somebody to work on it, there's no point in that. And so a lot of times 
people want to talk price right away. Like, hey, you know, here's my budget. Can you meet it? Most of the time, some are going to tell you yes, but you have no idea. Is that the same expectation again that you're getting and they're getting? And so doing that check of just because you're not physically there does not mean that you can't have boots on the ground and people representing you there. And how you get that, how you get those relationships is by through your private money lenders, through your realtors, through joining these Facebook groups. So that way you can get those boots on the ground is what you'll hear that term. And that's how you get them there. And based on what are you looking to do for your business? Do you want to have a project manager as a W-2? Do you want to have an assistant down there? What do you need to feel comfortable-ish? Because you're never going to be 100% comfortable doing remote. You're, it's a risk. And it's just like anything you do. However, for me, it's a very calculated risk. It's mitigating all those other items. And if I me as a person that I am an over communicator and I want to set that expectation. I also don't want to scare everybody that I work with. So figuring out what are your expectations? What are your communication styles? And then what do you envision your company to be? Um, so I have an assistant down there right now. I have a project manager down there right now. And then I have a realtor down there, part of my team. And just everybody that's listening, just keep in mind that that was built up over time, right? That wasn't on day. Is that right? No, so, no, so, so day I can... one, I had a realtor. Day Year two, I had an assistant. And year three, project manager and assistant and realtor. Yep. So if I can kind of summarize this, if I'm brand new, I'm thinking the first thing that I need is somebody that I trust on the ground there. It could be a realtor. It could be anybody. It could be a realtor. It could be a cousin, a friend, uh, somebody who Absolutely. I trust who has my best interest at heart. And, and ideally, um, in the realtor stand, uh, side of things, their financial interest is also aligned with my financial interest. Absolutely. Your realtor is. And then the second one is also find other people, referrals, recommendations, things like that for, for labor and work and, um, and other people that I'm starting to trust or get to know or build a relationship with. And they're recommending some people to, to help or be a, a capable person that could at least make a bid on it. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get some bids from them. Is there any kind of gotchas there? Like, are you asking them to to walk the property with their realtor together one at a time, your realtor is okay doing all this stuff. Are you compensating them? Like how, how does all that work? Yeah. And so, uh, so when we first started, the realtor would walk it with the prod with whoever it might be the contractor. And um, we never overlapped them. Well, we, we tempted to overlap. It didn't go very well. We started kind of getting the ego with this one. Oh yeah. Well, you missed that and this kind of pieces. So we started then breaking them out. Um, so they, our realtor would first walk it with me, from a video standpoint. And I'll be all right, we're gonna rehab this. We kind of set our initial high level scope. Um, and then we went in and did the walking with various uh, GCs. And then that's how we would get our scope back from them. A couple of things that we want, we started noticing is obviously very different types of scope, right? One would be like rehab kitchen. Another would be install cabinets, install countertops, it, you know, 230 square feet of tile. It, it's and, and it's not necessarily a good or bad way, uh, but the biggest thing for us was making sure that, again, it all goes back to us for expectations, is that when I say rehab kitchen, do I, am I getting what he thinks that he's putting in? Um, and so we started getting, we started realizing too, we had a lot of variation in those types of things. Um, so Stephanie Better is being one of those people as well. Uh, from a rehab standpoint, it does it really well. We started doing design boards as well. So when we go into a house now, we can say, hey, this is going to be this scheme or this feel of a house, so a farmhouse to a modern house. Um, and that way, that also helps us control the message we're giving to the contractors to say, 
here's the pictures, here's kind of the colors we're looking at, here's the feel we're looking at. So we give that to them while we're walking the property as well. Okay, so set them up with a more of a broken down line item bid. Do you guys standardize that? And would you recommend that for somebody new who says, look, I, and set that expectation up front of, I'm not looking for a rehab the kitchen bid. I want a, a line item with materials and things like that. So we know, or Absolutely. here's the materials that we're looking for. Or here's the look that we're going for ahead of time. Even if it's your first clip yep. going in there and using that stuff. Yeah, because I think sometimes too, there, there's a lot of little gotchas that happen, right? Where they're going, oh, I thought you were supplying the cabinets. I was just installing them. Um, so making sure having that breakdown of materials and labor and setting, like you said, upfront being like, hey, I'm expecting a detailed bid. Um, like for example, we had a roofer come in and we said, hey, you're gonna do roof and gutting, roofer, roofing and gutters. I need that broken out because there might be a discussion item that we need to have there too. So even those types of small things, uh, having those items discussed ahead of time will help with that process. Like I said, yeah, it's the always, first time. It's always better to compare apples to apples too when you're looking yes. at contractors. One thing that I realized when I was getting started and walking through these properties with contractors is as I walk would walk through with the second or third one or fourth one, the first one would give me some ideas that I didn't ask him to do or the second one would. So one thing that I really liked as I got more experience was actually bringing them all through at one time so they could all hear the same thing. And if one of them had an idea that we could potentially do, I could get them all to put it in their bid. So I, I agree, there's those egos and things like that. But what I realized was I was getting, I was getting the exact same bid from all four or five of them. And inevitably, two of them wouldn't even submit a bid, three of them would. So I'd bring them all through. And the ideas as we walk through, somebody would tell me something because I didn't have enough experience to, to know that I couldn't do something. And one of them would say something and then they would talk for a second, be like, yeah, yeah, we could do that. And that makes sense. And then I, I would also kind of get the idea of who knew what they were talking about and who didn't. I was so new in the beginning that pretty much everything that they said, I just assumed that they had a general contracting license and they knew what they were talking about. That's not the case, everybody that's listening. Um, a lot of times you may, <laughs> they may not know what they're talking about. Let's just leave it at that. And, yeah. or, so they, they kind of like some, when I see four of them, like furrow their brow at one comment that a guy yes. makes. It's like, this might not be the guy that I want to pick here. Um, yeah. Or how they show up, are they on time, those kind of things. Yeah. And how do they feel about, you know, bit? I, one time I had somebody just pulled up, there's a bunch of other trucks, just kept driving. And I was like, well, <laughs> wow, something's going on there, but he wasn't interested in this yep. job after he saw who there, he's going to be competing with some other people. So yeah. there's a couple different trains of thought there. Um, one thing, so the line item bid, I really like that. I really like making sure that we're comparing apples to apples, especially from a distance, because it's very easy to get to get talked at or over or not really to understand, especially when you're new and you're getting started. You don't really, you, you just don't have the confidence and you should. Like, this is your money. It's your project. It should come out the way that you want it. So remember that. There's one thing that you said, your realtor, you got the contractor and the realtor there. What I remember is, Realtors versus contractors is really important to think about the way that they think about the project. A contractor, and you even said it, it's like, they just want to get done with it. Like I completed my scope of work, I'm done. And the realtor looks at it through the eyes of the buyer. Mm -hmm. And they want that project to be finished. They, they can see the little imperfections and the little things. So if you can get a really good realtor on your team and you're flipping from a distance, I think this is probably the key to your success most likely and a lot of other flippers success is when they build a really strong relationship with a realtor who is good at what they do and can see 
that because they basically they can effectively become your project manager Absolutely. if 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 they're good and they do and they care and they're and they're you know they're awesome. financially awarded in that way which all realtors pretty much are yeah. but they look at it like a buyer not a contractor and a contractor is like that what are you talking like yeah that's just that's just a little paint spill on the corner of the carpet. Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's like, no, that's the first thing the buyer's going to see when they walk in. Correct. And immediately they're going to start looking for imperfections in the property. Yeah. And, and there's things that you can, that you can get away with not being perfect. And there's other things that just a little, a little bit of time or a little bit of money goes a really long way in the buyer's eyes. And that's what you want because as flippers, people look at us like scam artists, right? And a lot of times they think like, oh, this house has been flipped. What's wrong with it? Right Correct. when they walk in. Yes. And so what, um, what are some things that you that you did wrong that you think um, are some some things to really watch out for yes. if you're going to flip from a distance? The I see the probably the overall resounding when I hear that question is hanging on to people too long. So the one I think one of the biggest things you know I think we have that whether you're at a distance or not. But one thing that happens at a distance is that you feel because I can't personally go pick that up and take that piece because I can't, you know, I couldn't fly down there for the weekend, right? Or, but I can't get down there right now to help this. You feel like you need to hold on to that person longer um, because, well, there's nobody else that could do this because I'm too far away. Um, and I went through three realtors that way. Um, I thought one was like, well, I can't replace her. She's the only one that's going to work without a state. She's not going to scam me because we have this relationship, but she's not hitting some of these basics. And probably within... It took me probably almost six months to break that relationship um, because I was I was speaking so in, intellectually and emotionally dependent on thinking there's nobody else that will help me without scamming me as well. And very quickly transitioning to a once you kind of broke that mentality of, hey, it's it's much better to still do and change that process than to continually, you know, kind of have the slow bleed that's going to happen for the next six months because I think that. I have nobody else down there, but this very small, my first trusted advisor and nobody else is gonna fit that role for me. Um, and so after I broke that mentality, uh, it changed a lot of things. I was shocked at the big changes that these shifts that happened to my business when I started realizing, I can't be afraid to let somebody go out of my business because I can't physically pick up that piece or I might not have somebody down there in this exact moment to do it. But it's that um, that theorem where it's like, you know, you'll get it done whatever deadline you give yourself. And so if I'm like, hey, I have to get rid of this realtor, but I've got a week, I got to buy two more houses next week, you're going to get it done. And that is the piece that has been one of the hardest things that took me the longest time to change my mindset on. It's okay, because you'll hear, right? Like, I'll, I'll just go down there and do that, or I'll go and sell that toy, especially from a landlord perspective, right? Like, I can just go and sell that toilet, not a big deal. Um, but you can't do that because you're not physically there. But don't let that don't let that be a limiting belief for you not getting your expectations met and you not getting what you need to get your business up and running. Yeah, I can see that big time, especially on the distance side. Yeah. I, I did I did the same thing. Sales reps, phone reps. When I moved from Pensacola to Nashville, um, I ran the company for probably you know a couple of years yeah. on my own from a distance, and it kind of forced me to become innovative to make yes. changes and. You probably a lot of people probably heard this quote, but it's it's like don't say I can't, say how can I? Correct. So like how can you do that thing? So I, I would have to kind of challenge myself. It, before that, on the weekend, if it was like Friday or Saturday or something needed to be picked up from Lowe's or Home Depot or a light bulb change or something fixed, it was me, right? Yeah. But yep. I mean, that's not really the way to create a business either. Um, it so it forced me to grow by being 
by being not there, it was really good because it forced me to grow. Like you talk about people that say, oh, you know, I, I'm going to go to Lowe's. I'm going to run all my own on my own trips. But what you're doing is you're limiting your growth. And that, that I think has been one of the greatest advantages to flipping remotely has been I had to establish a team and I had to delegate those tasks because I wasn't there. And that allowed me to grow much more rapidly than if it was, if I had done, if I had flipped some houses here in Wisconsin, it would have, I would have been the, I'll just, I'll just project management. Don't worry. I'll do all the punch lists. I'll do all the checklists. I would have, I would have gotten myself in, in my own way. I would have gotten myself in my own way. And so that has been one of the most advantages to me of flipping remotely is that it forced me to have a team. It forced me to delegate and put processes in place that I never would have put in if it was here in my own backyard. I totally agree. That's, that's the benefit and advantage to doing it. I think there's, there's pros and cons to it. It doesn't matter if you're living in the location that you do, do work in or outside there's, there's pros and cons and the benefits outweigh the costs. And that's how, that's where you should decide on what to do. I get people all the time asking me, should I flip in my backyard? Should I flip somewhere else? Should I wholesale here? It's, it's expensive. It's, it's competition. Well, it's competition because there's a lot of money in your big city that has big deals. So Beth probably has to do a lot more deals to reach the same amount of, of, of profit than somebody would doing five or 10 deals in Southern California. Correct. And that's what I found is, yeah, I'm, we have to do a lot of deals, but I also need a lot of people to do all those deals. And yeah. my profit margin is a little bit smaller. And so yeah. the, the reason why I have such a bigger team than everybody else was I have to do 10 times the volume that you have to do over there. But yeah, I can get a deal for 1500 bucks when yours cost $10,000 to find. Correct. So there's, there's benefits and, and costs or risks to each side. I just yeah. finished, uh, and maybe you know this, I just finished writing a book. Like I just finished, it's over to the editor. It's going to come back to me for final fact checking and everything. But in there, there was that, that I, I really dove into the side of, do you stay where you are or do you go somewhere that you're like outside of your farm area basically? And, and mm -hmm. what are the positives and negatives of that? So all that stuff is coming rushing back to me now as we talk about this. <laughs> One more question before we finish up. And I think it might be something that, that people are asking as we, as we went. When you're, when, when the project's going on, let's say, okay, we, we talked about hiring that contractor. You got them, they're on the job. Yep. Uh, you're realizing that, okay, maybe I need to fire them. We hold on to them. We talked about that. But what about during the project as they're going along? Like, are you having them send photos to you? Like, what's the process that you built in to make sure that the quality is there? And then before you send the money or how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. So right now, so uh, my project manager, we meet, uh, so my team meets on Monday morning just to kind of kick off the week. What, you know, what are we working on each project? And then as I get the actual just project management update of, hey, what do we accomplish? And then on Saturdays or Sundays, depending on what time everybody has available, I'll get pictures of that week. So we do tour the properties every week um, to make sure, hey, they say this is getting done. And we also, you were mentioning real, having the realtor conversation and contractors. Um, also at the end of the project, so we get, before we give that final check, we'll have the realtor go back into a punch list um, and not necessarily like an actual physical punch list, but they know exactly what you mentioned, right? When a buyer walks in and they see three things that are wrong, that are again, small things, it sets the tone for that buyer. Now throughout the rest of the house, they start, then they start finding even more things that you never would have even thought of. And so that's kind of how we do it. We always have those checks and balances because even if the project manager says, oh yeah, they're good to get paid. I still have another set of eyes on that property. What, um, when you, what would you recommend for somebody who's new that doesn't have a project manager on site? Would you just have the realtor 
um, yes. go through? Would you have the contractor send photos to you? What would be your recommendation for that? I would both? do both. So that's what I did when I first started. So I had, I didn't have a project manager. It was me managing it remotely. Um, and I had a realtor though. And so I would have the project manager, the, the contractor, excuse me, send me photos saying, hey, you know, what got installed? You know, take a picture of the front door. This got installed, whatever that might be. And then having the realtor go behind and take additional photos to do another and also a walkthrough. I would be on the phone with them while they were going there to take pictures. Be like, hey, can you check on this? It looked a little funny in the picture. I couldn't really tell. And we'd walk through that process. Yeah. And with like Skype and FaceTime and all these oh, different so easy uh, now. WhatsApp video, Facebook video, all the different yeah. ways that you can go out there and, and look at these things. Um, it's it's challenging to see all the intricacies from a video. But if there's somebody in there who's like, hey, turn turn the camera like this, move it like this, show me this. It, it, it's definitely possible. I did a lot of that. Um, just just realize that I remember when my sales reps were locking up contracts and I was in Nashville, they would take pictures from angles that made the property look really, really good. And I'd be like, I want to buy that. And I would buy it. And then when I went down there to fly and I looked at it, I was like, oh my gosh, like they took the picture of these four photos right here mm -hmm. of the, a house that's about to fall over. I can't believe I yeah. bought this property. If it was Correct. like wide angle lens, I would have seen different things. So yes. that showed me that their financial interest was tied to me buying it, not yes. me fixing it up, selling it or renting it or wholesale or doing whatever else I was doing. Yes. And in that case, I was buying it to hold it in my 401k, my IRA and stuff. And it was, it was a mistake that those people's financial interests and their values weren't there. Like they really weren't right. being honest with me, which was frustrating. So well, finding people not, that you know, like, and trust is really important. Yeah. And even if they're not necessarily it's also just human nature, right? Like if you ask me to take a picture of my work, I'm going to try to make that work look the best, right? From a contractor standpoint, but I, same scenario, right? Like I might miss, you know, just turn my camera a little bit here because this gives it the best angle. So you don't see maybe some of these imperfections. And so it's not, it, I agree with you. It's, it has to be that really that full view of the property that needs to continue to happen. And like you said, especially with technology nowadays, um, even somebody like, well, they have Android and I have iPhone. You, there's so many different avenues. We, we did Facebook Live is what was used our whole first year um, because of the Android face, uh, Android uh, iPhone scenario. And it was, it's, you, there's so many options to be able to check in on those things and really get that peace of mind. Um, I know a lot of people are like said, do you buy that house? Does it even exist? Or did they fix it? Did they not? You can do a lot of double checks, um, but make sure you do have double checks. Because um, just like you're mentioning, is that there's gonna there's somebody's gonna always send the picture that looks most flattering to them, not necessarily maybe what you were looking for. Yep, there's one uh, one thing that kind of like jumps out at me here with um, when we're doing like walkthroughs on the property. When we, I, I would have people call me and just say, "Hey, should I do this? Should I do that? It looks like this," and I just I hit that FaceTime button. I'm just like, mm -hmm. "Show me, like, let me see it," and yeah. they would that would be my quick thirty seconds and. Things go a lot faster. I still do it, even just here mm -hmm. in like we're all virtual in yeah. seven figure flipping, even. So a lot yeah. of times it'll just be like, hey, show me what you got, share your screen, let's jump on a quick Zoom call, exactly. um, whatever it is. Like, do that. The other thing that we would do is we would always um, basically I'd use higher higher authority to get them to send me photos all the time. So I'd just be like, look, before the money lender will release the funds, even if it's my money or company money. You know, before they approve it, I, I got to get the photos of this and then we can approve it. Like, and I need this. These, this is what I need. Every hard money lender, by the way, will require a walkthrough inspection or photos to right. release funds on a draw. 
I lend, I lend money. I expect the photos to be up. There's different times that I'll, I'll set my draws up. I try to do free draws on my money and I want the photos to make sure that it's, it's of or more valuable than when we started, when I give you the next draw of money. And that's the thing, like really don't, uh, don't give out the money too early. What do you do? Okay. I'm just, I got one more question now. What do you do when, um, when a contractor and you're at a distance is asking for money up front without yeah. uh, doing any work. So we just we just had that happen. We just changed over to a new contractor and he wanted like 30% up front. And I'm like, hey, we've never done a deal with you. So how about we do this? So you, you get creative just like when anything. It's like, hey, you know, tell me what what is the initial upfront for? You find out what is the initial. Is it for is it for materials? Is it for like, for example, in our scenario, it was permits and plans. And I was like, hey, yeah, you tell me, send me over who the architect is or whatever. We'll just pay them directly until we can establish this relationship. Because you still have to protect, you know, just like you're talking about, Bill, where even though I'm the private money lender, it's my money, I'm still going to establish those checks and balances. I'm not just going to say, hey, yeah, go ahead and take it, or I'm not going to wait for those pictures. And so we found out, for example, the beginning was the plans and permits. Totally fine. I'll pay for them directly. Next was the lumber. I'll pay for that directly. And then after that, you can start establishing that relationship. Because a lot of them, um, we had another that said, hey, we need 50% down. I'm like, I don't even know who you guys are. Um, and so you start establishing at the same time, you also see it in their side, right? You know that they don't know you either, right? They, they don't want to start getting work and not getting paid. So you have to find that kind of happy medium and say, what do you need versus what do, how do, and how do I, what do I need? And how do we meet in the middle of that? And so for example, I needed to know that when I'm giving $5,000 away from permits and plans, it's going to permits and plans or, or 5,000 or 10,000 in lumber. I'll just pay for that lumber. You can send me over the bill or, and I'll just call them directly um, until I can get that established relationship with them. Yep. And that's, that's a big one. I'm glad you mentioned the fact that it's, it's two way. Cause I, I know any contractor that's listening to this right now is like, yeah, I've been ripped off by flippers before too, or people that didn't pay me. I did work. I didn't get paid for it. Um, yep. The interesting thing is the contractor has more means to get us than we have to get them. Well, 100%. They can put a mechanic lien on our property and lock yes. that thing down because they know we're going to sell it. It's not like I'm holding it forever Correct. and they're just going to sit there and not get paid. Um, yep. Let me ask you a question, Beth. Have you ever been ripped off by a contractor where they took money and, and oh, yeah. ran away? Okay, oh, yeah. so that's a yes. And I'm also a big fat yes, like uh, quite a few that have done that to me. Uh, yeah. Have you ever uh, not paid a contractor for work completed? Never. Okay, me neither. And I'm sure that there's a contractor that would come to me and bid my job and say, I've never done that to a client either if they had. But th- we have rec- we have referrals just as much as they do. Yep. So if a contractor came to me now and said, you know, I said, hey, I've never worked with you. And he's like, yeah, well, I've never worked with you either. How do I know you're going to pay? Like, well, let me give you a list of 15 other contractors that I've never not paid. They right. could get paid 100% and realtors yep. and other people in the industry. And you can look at my reviews and all of these things. Um, any contractor you ever work with, pull their license number, call, yes. the, call the county, find out, look on their, they, usually they have an online list. Um, figure out how long they've held their license. If it's brand new, where were they Mm -hmm. before that? What's going on? And I I wish that I did that kind of due diligence on any contractor that ever worked for me before I started getting screwed over by contractors. Yes. Same here. Shame on me. A year ago, I even gave some guy some money to do a, uh, a screen for me. I could tell something was up. So I did all that. It was only like $2,500 job, but I paid directly to Lowe's. Like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not giving you a check up front. I, why I'll do you get the that? material out of it. Yeah. He, I mean, I, I'll order the materials. When you call me from the checkout line, 
I'll be there at, ready to go and I'll yeah. give my credit card right away. Even, and, and then you'll bring it that. directly to my house. You're Correct. gonna bring it to my house and drop it off because they're okay. contractors are those contractors, and I don't want to lump contractors. Like there's yeah. some really great contractors and there's some really great flippers. We're the top 10%, maybe the top 5%. They're the top 10% or 5%, yeah. right? And the bottom, the rest of them are using my money to pay for the last job and the next job and then right. running around town and going around. So um, there's really great contractors out there and there's really great flippers. There's also really bad flippers. There's people that will screw people over yes. and they don't listen to this podcast and they're not on this podcast. So <laughs> Um, yes. there's two sides to all the stories. So all you have to do in that case is have a conversation with them. And like you said, set the expectation up front in yeah. the beginning. Like this yeah. is, this is what, um, this is how we do business. Yeah. And, um, and if you need 50% up front, we might not be the people for you. Um, but if you want to do business with us, we'd love to do it with you yeah. is let's figure out a solution there. And if they balk at that, there's probably a reason Yes. That's and if their plan. bid is insanely lower than everybody else, there's probably yes. a reason. <laughs> yes. You know? Do not so. go with your first job on your lowest bid. I will be, I did that on my very, very, very first one when I tried to do it myself. Luckily, it was a small amount, but I was like, you know it. Trust your gut. You know it. Then you're like, when you're, when you're talking price first versus quality, there's probably being a conversation around that. There's a reason you're talking money first versus are you going to show up on time? Are you going to do the work? You need to do it the right way. And I love the I love the uh, comment about going to check their work, like your realtor going to walk through some of their previous projects or current projects. Yep. Uh, I think that's really big. The other thing that I like to do, and I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on the show before, is I like to ask them for their referrals. And mm -hmm. then they'll usually give you the people that they know that are going to say great things about them. And then I take those referrals, I call them, I talk to them, and I ask them if they know anybody else that worked with that person. I like so typically, that. Typically, they usually will recommend like them to their friends or something like that. So then I'll, I'll ask them for their phone number or their information. And do you think they would mind me calling them? And they usually say, no, they give me that phone. Number. Then I call them because they're not on the list. I don't want people on the list. I want people off the list. Yes. If I can find people who are off the list, I get an actual like honest, no coach. This is not that they're, they're three best jobs they've ever done out of 3000 um, that already know the calls coming. And I do that for employees, for staff members, every, everybody that I can. I don't want to talk to the people on the list. I want to talk to the people off the list. Yep. Um, I actually just did that for a recruiting company that we're hiring to go find somebody to work with me. So um, I asked those guys if they know anybody else that work with them and uh, and get in touch with them. So And that's uh, how you okay. leverage those Facebook groups as well. That's what we do too, is that we'll leverage that local Facebook group. Hey, who's worked with these guys before on top of just getting, like you said, their best and happiest clients. I want to see what does their normal look like. Oh, post those inside of those RIA groups, those local groups, mm -hmm. post the company in there. Like, oh, I got burned by that guy. That's the worst contractor I've ever done. You, you'd be shocked with what you yes. hear about them. And yes. people don't hold back when they get burned. I'll tell you that. No, they do not. Um, I, have not I have not put people on public blast, but if anybody mm -hmm. ever posted about somebody or a, a contractor or a third-party uh, management company or anybody before, yeah. And, and post it there, I will send them a message typically Correct. and tell them what I think and, and, yep. some, and something to watch out for. Yep. And um, all right. So um, any any last last things that I didn't cover that you might want to share with the folks out there that are thinking about going virtually? Not really. I mean, other than it's it's possible. It, this is it. You really, you know, you talk about pros and cons, right? People flipping in their backyard or flipping remotely. It really comes down to you as a person. What are your what are your goals? Are your goals to do X, Y and Z? 
What are your comfort levels? And we always talk about pushing your comfort levels because you're that's how you grow as a person as well as in the scenario in industry. Um, but at the same time, make sure you know what you set your expectations at as to going into this uh, or, and what you are comfortable with um, because that's going to determine some of this as well too. So don't, uh, it's not that it's not possible. We have plenty of us doing it um, and the houses do exist when we buy them. So uh, I think it's a great, it's a great thing and it gives, and it also opens up, right? It opens up all the opportunity that you may not have in your backyard because of high area, whatever it might be. Yeah, I love it. All right. Um, Beth, thanks so much for hanging out with me. If people exactly. want to get in touch with you, there's probably a lot of people on here that have a lot of money that want to lend to a great flipper in Kansas City um, or jump on your buyer's list or email list or whatever it is. Where can they find you? Um, so you can find us on Facebook at, uh, T at TK Prop. Uh, you can find us on our website at www.tkprop as well. Cool. What does TK stand for? Uh, turnkey Properties. Oh, yeah, I realized we never even talked about the name. Turnkey Properties. <laughs> Cool. Turnkey properties. So um, how far is Kansas City from where you live? Uh, it is a nine hour drive. Okay. So it's not just easy to hop in the uh, no. hop in the car and get over there. No. So nine hour drive yep. or- uh, I haven't been there in a year and a half. That's amazing. And and what 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 are you doing right now? Like, What does the business look like? We didn't talk uh, about We that. have six active flips happening right now. Um, and we're going to be on track to be doing 20 to 24 flips this year on top of also additional ons for rentals. Awesome. So what's the rental portfolio look like now? How big uh, uh, right now, we have kind of sort of pause on it for a little while. We have eight rental doors and then we'll be adding our goals six to 10 this year yet. Okay. Six to 10 rental doors and 24 flips and a full-time job um, <laughs> yeah. and a lot of other things that you do like stamping custom handmade Christmas and birthday and holiday yes. cards. Pretty yes. amazing. Those so. as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Beth. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. And thanks so yes. much for hanging out with us. Uh, for anybody that's listening, if you want to hang out with me and Beth and everybody else, all the other seven-figure members, we have an event coming up in April in Cancun. Uh, if you qualify for seven-figure altitude, you can just go to the number sevenfigurealtitude.com. You can fill out an application there. Um, and if you guys want to jump in before the April event, it'll be amazing. We're doing this island mastermind. It's going to be so much fun. And then we mentioned the 500K challenge, a couple other things. Um, if you, where, where do we hang out? We hang out at these mastermind meetings. We hang out in our Facebook group. We talk about this stuff every day. And then we also hang out at Flip Hacking Live. So make sure you get your ticket before the prices go up again. There's a lot of cool stuff coming up that we're doing. And I hope to see you guys all there. I'll see you on the next podcast. Bye. Sounds good. Bye, guys. What if you could raise $500,000 of private capital in the next 30 days to fund your real estate deals? How would that change your business? How would that change your life? I've put together a 30-day challenge that will walk you through how to get access to all the private funding you'll ever need at incredibly low interest rates on your terms when you need it. It's called the 500K Challenge. This is the same system I've used to raise over $15 million the past few years. And you're not just going to learn how to raise it. You're going to actually start finding this money yourself within the next 30 days as you go through the challenge. This is the single most important skill any real estate investor needs to have, whether you're flipping houses, buying multifamily properties, wholesaling, or anything else. Jump in and start raising private money now at 500kchallenge.com. I'll see you guys on the inside.